0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, it is Sunday, February 7th. Just barely on the brink of this uh, second impeachment trial.
1: Oh, it's Super Bowl Trump's Sunday. Facing. Forget about Super the Bowl impeachment. Sunday. Sunday. two days
0: away. We're taping a little earlier in the day. We have no
1: idea how Jordan Spieth is going to manage and how... Uh, and the Waste Management Phoenix Open that literally no one's watching today because of the Super Bowl. Why are well, they playing the, the same weekend? the thing is, the golf
0: tournament ends up about the same time that the Super Bowl starts. I so think, yes. there may be a little overlap. Yeah, uh, there may not be uh, commercials during the waste management tournament that are as, quite as catchy as during the Super Bowl, but. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how those turn out. And, of course, it'll be kind of interesting to see how the trial turns out. We've talked a lot about the impeachment trial last couple of weeks. So we're not going to focus uh, on it really today. But uh, I guess it, the balloon uh, launches on Tuesday. Exciting. And if Rand Paul has his way, the Democrats will uh, see common sense and just drop the whole darn thing. But let's, yeah. let's not go to Vegas and bet on that. No. What we do want to talk about are uh, several fascinating stories with the uh, legal angles. Uh, are acronyms racist? San Francisco seems to uh, set the, the agenda for our thoughts so often. And once again, we're going to go back to the Bay Area to figure out if acronyms are indeed racist. Are spin cycle teachers essential workers? We will answer that burning question. Do grocery checkers deserve hero pay? Is it time to dump the felony murder rule, that rule that says you can be convicted of murder, even if you didn't really intend it, anybody got hurt? But you were you were the bag man. You were the uh, getaway gar, car person. Uh, some people are saying that's uh, an
1: interesting legal archaic. question. A lot of people uh, speak out about it. They think it's sort of an unjust overpunishment.
0: We'll get into that. And finally, we'll get into whether Butsy is the comeback kid. And those of you who are Doonesbury fans know exactly what I mean. So but Those of you who is a dunesbury fan there's just the one just just the one just uh, the one jane yeah. paulie that's the one you know jane paulie is married to the guy who draws
1: Dunsbury. well there we are that's a very deep cut i'm that's very impressed a little bit archaic yeah at, or arcane was Dunsbury a bigger deal in the past like before i was born oh my
0: goodness when i was in law school in the 1970s back in the 1970s I uh, hit the ground running it was huge everybody uh-huh. was very fond of it and i mean it's you know, it's been around 40, 50 years now. It's still super popular, I think. It's right up there on top in the comics when you open the newspaper. So uh, smoking is back with a vengeance. Uh, apparently, smokers find it easier instead of uh, going out two or three times from their office building to smoke. Now they're working at home so they can just smoke all day long. Just like I, John Wayne.
1: John I Wayne guess. Wrote, I felt I always felt like people took smoke breaks for the sake of getting a break from work. The idea of having to chain smoke at your desk in your own home sounds terrible. Yeah. Did you know John Wayne was a chain smoker? No, I didn't. He would sit on
0: the set uh, with John Ford there in Monument Valley and make those wonderful uh, pictures. And literally he would light the next cigarette with the one that was about to go out. And mm. he'd do that all day long.
1: They just and he'd frame he it the... out of the uh, camera. Yeah, every time.
0: that's true. They probably had to pull it out of his hands for the shots. But he he beat the big C uh, for, for a while, but then I think it eventually got him. Uh, but uh, we're going to find out if Butsy is indeed the comeback kid. So let's start with this uh, fascinating topic. Uh, are acronyms
1: racist? San Francisco's- Right off the bat, I'll say some of them, yes. Oh. AWOL, definitely racist. Uh, absent without leave is yeah. racist? Why is that racist? It just feels like it.
0: Wait a minute. Why feels does like, it feel like it? In like what a, sense is that racist? What like am I missing?
1: I don't know. Like somebody call me, oh, you're a wall. Like, hey, you can't say that about me. I'm not a wall. Well, perhaps
0: you have a point there. I'm not sure about that. But San Francisco thinks they have a point. Oh, okay. So I'm on board. Yeah. The San Francisco School uh, Arts Department has taken a bold move by changing its name. Does UC San
1: Francisco? No, no,
0: no. Just like high school. Oh, okay. Uh, They've got an acronym, VAPA, V-A-P-A. And they really don't like that. Uh, They should stop using it. Right. Uh, and they are going to stop using it. Great. It's Visual and Performing Arts. It's what VAPA stands for. All right. They believe it, acronyms are a symptom of white supremacy culture. And I'm glad you as a progressive, are here, Connor, you yeah. explained this it's to me.
1: decode this. I
0: just don't get it. The director of this the Department of Arts in San Francisco said, we're prioritizing anti-racist arts instruction in our work, so we got rid of the acronym VAPA. From now on, they'll simply be called SFUSD Arts Department. SFUSD Arts. Now, I'm a little confused because SFUSD sounds a little to me like an acronym. Like an acronym, San Francisco Unified School District Arts Department. I guess they figure that maybe everybody knows that, but they didn't know VAPA. They they say this is Sam Bass, director of the arts department, says it's a very simple step we can take to just be referred to as SFUSD Arts Department for our families to better understand who we are. He thinks acronyms are a symptom of white supremacy culture. He says the use of so many acronyms within the educational field often tends to alienate those who may not speak English to understand the acronym.
1: Interesting. Um, is this Interesting. really a serious
0: concern? Do you think maybe it undermines
1: really serious, uh, legitimate uh, complaints I about would say, racism I in would our say society? You are right that this is not a serious concern. And the fact that it's uh, being talked about in the ABC 7 News Uh, And on this very important newsworthy podcast, Mm -hmm. big story is, uh, you're right, a symptom of a bunch of people looking around at people making teeny tiny little unimportant changes in the world for the better and saying like, oh my gosh, you're wasting your time. You know who's wasting your time is ABC News 7 talking about this as though it's symptomatic of something. These people are changing the world in a way that they think makes it better. If they are wrong, And in fact, it's not harder for people whose English is not, uh, for whom English is not the first language. If it's actually not harder for them to use acronyms and understand acronyms, which whatever, I guess, I don't know. English is the only language I speak. Can I imagine? And what about that high school Spanish you took? I paid my taxes to pay for your high school. Sure did, absolutely. And it was a good, a very good public school that taught me. Uh, a, a bunch of things. A bunch of Spanish Spanish words. was not one of those things no. that it taught me. No. Uh, it tried. It tried really hard, but it did not accomplish that well, So it goal. was and really It really was fault. the high school's fault, <laughs> I think, for trying in the wrong way somehow. No, but I mean, I You're get You're thinking
0: it. we shouldn't be paying attention to this, and yet if it's a, a dopey idea, shouldn't we call them out? I mean, how is San Francisco, with but their values, is going to learn if we don't
1: call them out, <laughs> that, Call out culture is good. No, my, my point is that if they want to spend time and effort on this sure we should always be saying well what should we be spending our time and effort on but unless somebody goes up and says you spent x number of dollars on this instead take that and spend it on y then it's You'd just be open it's to just that. Okay. It, yeah it's just whataboutism right so it's just saying, changing the su- subject of the conversation away from mm-hmm. is this actually a meaningful change for the better and changing it to Are there other more serious pressing problems in the world? There's people starving somewhere in the world. Shouldn't we be thinking about that? Plus, I heard heard there's a pandemic. So this guy,
0: Sam Bass, uh, he um, was influenced by a 1999 paper written by author Tema Okun, titled White Supremacy Culture. And Oaken told Mr. Bass, our culture perpetuates racism when things continue to be written down in a certain way, so it's we want we yeah. want to get rid of certainism. I think uh, when we when they asked uh, Mayor London Breed in San Francisco for her opinion, she was confused. Uh, she thought they were asking about the issue of reopening or renaming the schools. She said, "Well, we definitely need to have a robust conversation about what we need to do, but not a rushed conversation." You ever notice, Connor, the politicians when they they hear a, a about a really stupid idea,
1: they, they like say, to say, "We got to have a conversation, conversation. about that." Yeah. Uh-huh. they don't
0: want to come right out and say, it's, "Right." This, it's this might be
1: the first time they've heard of it, and their aides are on the sides frantically Googling which side of this debate they should be on, and they're stalling, and then they say, oh, excuse me, I have to use the restroom, and then they go look it up, and then they come back, and they go, yes, I'm firmly against or for whatever it is we were talking about before we went into the bathroom. So we're off to a good start. Uh, our acronym's
0: racist. No, they aren't. We've decided that. Easy. Issue number two, our spin cycle teachers, essential workers. So that's a tough one because Stacy Griffith, celebrity soul cycle instructor, mm-hmm. has described her occupation as an educator in order to get the COVID-19 vaccine in New York, where oh. school teachers are considered a priority group. That's so good. she, Yeah, so Stacy Griffith was vaccinated several days ago, and uh, now she's kind of apologizing. She has been shown the error of her ways. Um, she, she put up an apology post that really wasn't much of an apology. She said... That's the first time. Uh, Yeah, She said, having me vaccinated can stop the short spread within groups. I function as a common point for many overlapping people in my profession of health and wellness as a teacher. It's a priority daily to keep my community and their respiratory systems operating at full capacity so they can beat this virus if they're infected by it. I can only teach to them if I'm healthy myself. Doesn't sound like much of an apology, but no. I, I think in, in a separate interview, she did say, I, I guess maybe I didn't really deserve to go to the head of the line. But the, that's where she was. Yeah, so
1: she was able to. I mean, look, this is the problem that we face. If we try to rank and tier everyone uh, specifically and super exactly into who deserves what, uh, you're going to run into uh everybody, you're going to be able to find somebody in every tier of vaccination, stage of vaccination, that we are all going to look around and think, oh, that person doesn't belong there. And maybe an epidemiologist would disagree, and maybe an epidemiologist would agree. And it might not matter. And it might be the case that just getting more people in the doors and then out the doors with sticks in their arm is the most important thing. And it's just, it's kind of like our discussion at the moment over the $2,000 checks versus the $1,400 checks versus recurring payments versus one payments versus means testing versus no means testing. The question is, how much time and effort do we waste because we are spending all this time and effort means testing? How, like, we're, we're desperately trying to figure out who deserves what instead of just saying all of our efforts should be focused on maximizing people in and out of the doors. Let's take a good example. You and I are lawyers. We are in tier California tier one C or D or whatever. Oh, we're not essential workers. We're not essential workers, no, sure. but we are in the same tier of vaccine distribution as a lot of people who work in uh, food service and uh, and you know, retail jobs where they interact with the public. And you could very easily look at me, Connor Oaks, and say, Connor Oaks does insurance defense litigation you know, talking about how to allocate insurance policies uh, for people who have insurance. This is not customer facing work. And frankly, it doesn't feel that essential essential to to me. I mean, yeah, the courts are essential and judges have essential jobs. There are people sitting in jail, dying in jail because they can't get out. You've got to be able to process people through the legal system and make sure that people's rights aren't being infringed and the legal system is, you know, a crucial component of that. But is every lawyer in the system important? No. Absolutely not. But you have to just make big, broad strokes, sweeping categorizations to say, how do we vaccinate all these people? And then maybe Connor Oakes, I will forego my vaccination the first week available so that the, I don't know, criminal defense lawyers, uh, like the public defenders, the people are going in and out of county state jails. No, you're
0: right. And the problem is, I don't think people sat down and thought it through. We had several months. We knew vaccines were on a nice, fast track, operation Mm -hmm. warp speed, and still they didn't really set it up. Well, speaking of uh, food, service workers. Uh, When we come back, we're going to answer the burning question, do grocery checkers deserve hero pay? But first, Connor is going
1: to tell you how to rate and subscribe Too Many Lawyers. Well, the first way to go is check us out on whatever platform you use to get the podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, probably the most likely one. Stitcher, uh, Podcast Addict, whichever else uh, you use to, to search us up. And leave us a review. They've got places where you can leave a comment and you can talk about how great we are. And you can leave us a review in the form of a star rating or a number rating or whatever else. And it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy when someone does it. So we really appreciate it. And if it's a one star review, keep it to yourself. We'll be right back on Too Many Lawyers.
0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm still Connor. How are we're making so much progress today. We've already decided acronyms are not racist. Burn into it. We've decided the spin cycle class
1: teachers should not go to the head of the line for vaccines. Yeah, uh, I, I would like to go back to spin class. I've never been, but I'd like to go for the first time. Sure. Uh, Sounds sure it fun. Should be, be very sweaty. Sounds essential to me.
0: And so now our third issue, do grocery checkers deserve hero pay? So Ralph's uh, Grocery, I guess they're owned by Kroger now and Food for Less in Los Angeles, uh, Long Beach, actually a part of L.A. County. They're closing uh, 25% of their stores. Why are they doing that? Because the Long Beach City Council decided, doggone it, grocery checkers and all the folks who work at these grocery stores, they're heroes. They've gotten us through this pandemic. And you, therefore, Ralph's and Food for Less must, out of your own pockets... Pay them $4 an hour extra because, doggone it, they've done such a great job. These uh, stores apparently have long struggled in these neighborhoods. Uh, This ordinance, of course, uh, kind of uh, goes around and outside uh, and blows up the traditional bargaining process. So now a lot, hundreds of grocery folks uh, are going to be out of a job, employees of the grocery stores, the citizens won't have any nice close grocery stores, or at least they won't have these, they won't have these options. For what? So these councilmen can look like heroes? I, I, my, my attitude, Connors, is if society thinks the grocery employees are heroes, why want to tax everybody a little bit. You know, graduated income tax, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth, Ta- Elizabeth Warren pay more. I said Elizabeth Taylor. Where did I get her? Uh, they pay more because they're so wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let them pay by taxes to, a, a little stipend
1: to the heroes. Why do you pay these poor Ralph's people that are probably on the brink of bankruptcy? Well, there are lots of tools that the government uses to make sure that it any given problem in society is solved. Taxation is one of them. And conservatives will scream and yell and tear their hair out if you raise taxes. So if you instead don't use the blunt force trauma weapon that is impose higher taxes on the American people, instead you use a scalpel and you carve out and you say, these specific companies here are underpaying their workers, which is why you know, local regional minimum wages are more effective in targeting specific places with different costs of living, it also leads to local regional governments being influenced by corporations that are bigger and more powerful than any local regional government, and therefore preventing these uh, from happening. That's why national minimum wage is also valuable. So they are both sides of that coin. But this is a very important and effective tool to manage uh, the, the the balance of power in a relationship. I mean, what is this? The the Supreme Court Lochner era freedom of contract nonsense? We got past that 80 years ago. We understand that there's a massive imbalance of power between labor and management. We know that a grocery store worker does not engage in the normal bargaining process that you described. I'm sorry, when I go into a job oh, interview- Don't you
0: think the, everybody who works for grocery stores are
1: unionized these well, days? Well, absolutely. It would be great if they were unionized, but that doesn't mean they are unionized. Many of these places, in fact, Louisiana has the the right now has this big, huge test case of the first ever union successfully being formed for Amazon employees, and they're a bunch of uh, Amazon warehouse employees, and they, for the first time in 2021, after whatever 20 years of Amazon being the most dominant store uh, in online retailing, they, for the first time, have successfully. Started the process of creating a union for Amazon employees. It's a massive uphill project to unionize in the United States because corporations have an incredible amount of power and they crush unions uh, under their heel. And it's it's completely, you know, ridiculous. It's even harder to, now to,
0: that over the last
1: few decades,
0: unionization has been steadily shrinking in America.
1: It's it's very difficult to say, you know. Oh, unions will solve all our problems while we're stymieing unions at every turn. Labor unions are a very important part of our economic system and they balance the, the playing field. But there's no reason to believe that these workers who are affected by this Long Beach raise effectively are unionized. And if they are unionized, then this is probably the result of the union flexing its power and saying, look, our guys and gals out there did uh, have done incredible work and are going to keep doing incredible work at great personal risk to themselves, and they deserve more money for it. And that sounds like the normal bargaining process. So to the effect that we are, it, it, you know, if we are appealing to unions, it's going to solve our problems. And if we are saying that normal bargaining is part of that process, then it sounds like the process is working. Fantastic. I'm glad that these people are getting a raise. The question you know, in my mind that makes it such a provocative headline is, What does hero pay mean? I mean, if you want to call it hero pay, then the other side is going to start lampooning you because... Oh, you're not an EMT. You're not a doctor. You didn't save well, anybody from a burning house. But just you because just you're not an EMT, don't
0: you think people in society really are giving a big thank you out boy to folks who've worked in grocery stores where they're exposed. They're, you know, people are walking ag- up and down the aisle looking yeah. for the
1: promaganda juice, hacking and coughing all over these I, poor employees. I agree. So and they, they are heroes in that sense. They they should, but the derisive tone of this and many other headlines about oh should they get hero pay? It it Clearly, takes advantage of the fact that we don't think of people who work retail jobs as heroes, even in a pandemic when we really should be paying people commensurate with the risk that the job entails. Mm. We think of jobs like, you know, uh, coal miner as super risky, but warehouse workers in Amazon warehouses have vastly higher injury and death rates than people working in coal mines. It's a much more dangerous profession, and this is, you know, takes into account a lot of different injuries that don't look like you know, in a collapsed mine, trapped for seven days, Mm -hmm. saved by Elon Musk in a submarine or whatever. That never happened, by the way. But it, just, you, you know, know there's still dramatic and dangerous jobs. Coal miners' daughter is much less dangerous. Matter of fact, you can win
0: an Oscar doing it's a that. Very safe I think job. Sissy Spacek may have won an Oscar for that. Nice. I, I disagree with you about this hero business. I have not heard anybody speak about it in a derisive, a sarcastic way. If you want snarky, derisive, you go to Jen Pasaki or Pataki, whoever the uh, new press secretary is, when mm-hmm. she was talking about Space Force. How'd you like to be working uh, away in Space Force and, and hear her speaking? Snarkily and and just gigglingly about that. Now that's sarcasm. Sure. But when it comes to calling these food service worker heroes, I never hear anybody speak of, of them derisively. I mean, I think everybody really appreciates the fact that these folks have been on the front lines, totally exposed, and, yeah. and it's so essential. Everybody, no matter you know, we haven't gone anywhere by and large, but we do go to the grocery store. Yeah. Because we, we got to do that. Got to eat. Yeah. So uh, I, I so I don't I don't see a problem with that. I. Uh, and as for Amazon, you know, I do have sort of a soft spot for the people who work in the fulfillment centers because uh, I, I read that the people who work in these gigantic warehouses, it's very dangerous because yeah. essentially it's a robot driven culture in there. The robots are ma- mainly doing the work and the robots are so dangerous that sometimes they, you know, topple over on people. So that literally the humans in the fulfillment center warehouses have to work in cages so wow. they won't be
1: crushed by the
0: robots. Amazing. Don't you think, really?
1: I saw a great report about how uh, uh, multiple times now, uh, robots have accidentally crushed and destroyed cans of bear mace. Thank in God it Amazon. was accidental. I don't want to be one of those <laughs> iRobot Will Smith things. They destroy these inside the warehouses. And of course, all the employees around them get bear maced because you crush a can of bear maize, it explodes and goes everywhere. And so yes. they have to evacuate the whole warehouse. People are just suffering, it's horrible.
0: Don't you don't you think we ought to be celebrating Jeff Bezos instead of criticizing him for being anti-union? I mean, just take a, a, me as an example. Yesterday, I'm sitting around, kind of flabby. You, you know, they referred to the COVID-75. the COVID, the, the COVID 75. Sure. Okay, so I've maybe picked up 75 pounds during COVID or, or something like that.
1: <laughs> and and look, I, I
0: thought, doggone it, I'm gonna turn over a new leaf. New and leaf. So I, I see on the internet, Jeff Bezos has resistance bands for sale. You can buy these giant, hashtag resistance. Yeah, these giant rubber bands, and you don't need a home gym. You don't need to go down yeah. to Vic Tanny's or Gold's Gym. Brilliant. You just, you know, step on the on the resistance band, and suddenly you're lifting thirty pounds. So I decide I go online and I say, Jeff, would you please send out some resistance bands to me? Thank you. Thank you, oil Yeah, I got them this morning. Amazing. Sunday morning, Incredible. some guy flips them over over the the, Fence, the gate. Yeah, yeah so. I mean that's the market system at work the price is reasonable it's not like he's gouging me and it's instantaneous it is incredible i mean isn't that a wonderful example of uh, entrepreneurship he saw a niche he filled the need and yeah. now
1: basically we get stuff we want when we want it at a fair price hey capitalism produces incredible unbelievable convenience for a lot of people i mean absolutely and you know better health outcomes in many situations i mean America has worse health outcomes in a lot of places that are less capitalist. America, you know, isn't the only place with you know next day delivery of whatever. Amazon isn't the only company to do that, but Amazon certainly has driven. They do it it better than anybody else. They
0: certainly do. And soon, Connor. A drone will be
1: dropping a quart of chocolate milk in your front yard. You know if that's Amazon. What you want Amazon's in terms of uh, if you if you want to look at Amazon's different divisions, uh, drone delivery is still low on the priority list. But in terms of where they make their money and how many employees. How much money they spend on, you know? know Where they make their money? They make their money tricking you into buying the thing that gives them the greatest profit margin by sticking it right at the top top of the the search results. They actually make most of their money from uh, Amazon Web Services, and by any Ah. any measure, Amazon is now a web services web hosting company that has a deliver stuff to your home side hustle. Well, it's around the corner. The FDA actually is right now
0: thinking about approving the use of uh, drones for Jeff Bezos to deliver the chocolate milk to our front yard. So uh, we'll just cross our fingers. Can't wait. When we come back, is it time to dump the felony murder rule? Oh, love it. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm still Conor Oaks. So, the felony murder rule. Inside baseball lawyer. Bullshit. Can't wait. So, here we have um, a 7-Eleven, and a couple of guys want to knock it over. And one guy says, look, you keep the motor running, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to get some Slim Jim,
1: a Snickers. And
0: everything that's in the safe. Ooh, that's So, the getaway car guy says, okay, you got it. So uh, the guy goes into Seven Eleven, and one thing leads to another and the clerk winds up dead. So uh, the cops say, OK, we're charging not only the uh, the gunman, but also the guy in the car with murder. Uh, how can you charge him with murder? Because murder is where you intended uh, to, kill somebody. to kill somebody or you were so reckless. You knew darn well. Uh, that that death was likely. That's right. murder. And the classic example of that is murder in the second degree. Murder in the second degree is where you did not intend to kill anybody. You're just sitting next to the Amtrak station. And you're saying, "Hey, there's a moving train. I think it'd be fun to just shoot in that moving in the, the moving train. I'm going to do it. And I don't don't mean to hurt anybody or much less kill anybody. But that's the way it is. So you will be prosecuted for murder in the second degree because it was so likely somebody would die based on what you did. Right. So the idea is. If you were engaged in a felony bumping off the 7-Eleven, you can be convicted of murder. The
1: problem with this is that we have very specific tests that we pretend to adhere very closely to in our legal system, where we say things like mens rea, which is a Latin term meaning uh, evil mind – matters that the bad intent behind your actions matter terribly it's it's crucial and we make all these distinctions between murder in the first degree murder in the second degree murder in the third degree or manslaughter whatever and we go down the scale and we have different punishments for all the way up and down the scale and then we have this bizarre crank up the heat on evil criminals rule called the felony murder rule. getaway drivers like getaway drivers or people who supply somebody else with something that they go use to commit a felony and you can construct an incredibly tragic story that falls well within the the felony murder rule maybe that getaway driver sitting out in the parking lot uh, is just cajoled and harassed and bullied into being the getaway driver. Maybe he doesn't even know if the crime's really going to be committed. Maybe the guy says, "I'm going to go in there and see what he says." Well, Maybe i Wouldn't those him. defenses
0: be available in a felony murder trial? He'd the, have, be, have that opportunity to establish that, and the
1: jury, or the judge might say, "Okay, we're not going to find you guilty of murder. We'll get find you guilty of something else." No, those aren't defenses because those are all defenses as to. Your mens rea, your evil intent, your your state of mind when you are uh, committing murder. And in this case, no one's saying he committed murder. You could make have defenses about whether you were intending to commit the felony and be part of the felony. Or a well, what if his defense is,
0: I didn't know he was going to actually go in there with a gun. I just thought he was going to go in there and,
1: you know, ask the guy for a handout. And Well, that's instead- not a crime. And then he's safe. But the issue is, if you know he's going to commit a felony... Then, boom, you're done. And stealing a Snickers is not a felony. That'd be a misdemeanor. But the value of whatever you is stolen goes up and up. Right. If the guy says, I'm going to go in and rob that place, and he says, and the guy thinks to himself and said, OK, he's going to take 60 bucks out of the register, and then it turns out the safe has 2000 in it, which is a felony, magically, in your state and your jurisdiction, and the guy takes $2,000 out of the safe, and then there's a, a scuffle and the clerk dies. Suddenly felony murder. And this is a guy who was just driving a car and expecting his friend to or whatever, acquaintance, whatever, to end up stealing 60 bucks. He doesn't know a felony is going to be committed. He just intends to commit a crime and the crime turns out to be a felony. These are extremely strange, extenuating circumstances that that, you know, drag things out and you get multiple layers of is this guy really even you know, a criminal at this point? Well, and it it can be a murky
0: area. Some states have actually reformed their felony murder rules to say that the death must have been foreseeable or uh, in the furtherance of certain crimes. For example, the federal uh, law... Uh, Talked about arson and escape and murder, kidnap, treason, espionage, sabotage, aggravated sex abuse, child abuse, burglary and robbery. So it wouldn't be everything. Felony murder also has been used recently where the public has clamored for more severe charges. For example, the cops accused in the deaths of George Floyd in Minneapolis and Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta. As well as, as the man who filmed the killing of Ahmad Arbery in Glynn County, Georgia, they've all been charged with felony murder, with assault as the underlying felony. So, I mean, wouldn't you welcome prosecutions in those circumstances?
1: No, I, I don't think that. I think that people should be prosecuted with the crime that they have committed. If they have the requisite intent for that crime, the foundation of felony murder is this concept of transferred intent that you're going to use the intent of another person to blame me. And there's a big picture sort of zoom way out idea that, well, this will dissuade criminals from engaging in crime with conspirators because those conspirators might go do things that will bring down the hammer on the original person. But that's not really how it works. People are out there. Committing crimes for a variety of reasons, mostly desperation, and they're not making super calculated rational decisions and thinking about the future, and they— can still, you know, restrain themselves and change their actions in order to make sure nobody gets hurt. Well, but if somebody else doesn't restrain their actions and make sure somebody else doesn't get hurt, then they can't control that. And the idea that we transfer the intent from person B to person A just because they happen to be engaged in the same criminal enterprise is a w- vast overreach of the concept that we really form as a bedrock of our legal system which is intent matters. You don't you didn't commit a crime unless you intended to, right? Or you were so reckless. Now they don't like before the felony murder rule existed in common law and in the many jurisdictions where felony murder doesn't exist as part of the common law, you, you have the concept of recklessness, right? If you were are so reckless in what you did that you uh, uh, that somebody ended up dead and the, the prosecutor can show that this person acted with tremendous recklessness and they knew or should have known that death could have happened, then boom, you can get them with that. There's no reason to have the felony murder rule, except that these lazy prosecutors want to just snap their fingers and get the conviction automatically, or be able to threaten people with a conviction automatically, and be able to tell juries that, oh, there's such a thing as a felony murder rule, and thus you are just absolutely mandated. If you find that he was engaged in XYZ, then boom, he's going to get felony murder, and you skip the whole sentencing part, and the whole difficult ordeal of deciding, was this person really reckless enough that they knew or should have known a death could have resulted? Who cares? cares about that crap? They were just in the car. That's part of the felony. Boom, we got them. It's almost easier than getting the guy who actually did the felony.
0: What's wrong with these prosecutors trying to put people behind bars? I I don't get it. But, you know, society has a a tough job in sort of climbing into people's heads and deciding what their motivations are. But but we try, for example. I think one of the reasons behind uh, the death penalty is uh, society's concept or perception that people are less likely to commit a heinous murder in the first degree if they know that they might be executed. For example, people uh, believe in society that criminals will say to themselves, I'm not going to take a gun on this job because I know if I'm caught with a gun, that's going to mean an extra five or ten years. So these judgments are made, and the legislatures all make the the judgments. And you know we can second guess them. We can say we've, we're going overboard, but uh, bottom line is you know it's a difficult job. But I I, to, I guess I'd rather err more on the side of of uh, of criminalizing
1: conduct and making it more severe and hopefully deterring people from taking criminal actions. And that's, I think, where we where we uh, split in our opinion. I don't think that criminalization, uh, you know, extra criminalization by default gets, should get the benefit of the doubt in terms of whether it will create more deterrent effect. I think you need to show me why that you think that'll create more deterrent effect or the evidence that it has created more deterrent effect before I'll sign your bill. Sure, I'm, a, it's all- I'm, in, I'm in Congress, obviously, in this scenario, before I will sign on to a new bill that cranks up the heat on criminalization. I mean, the, the, we have a system that theoretically works, right? In, in theory, we all sit down and we say, okay, there's a chain of causation where when I do a thing, we'd say, what are the reasonably foreseeable consequences of that thing that I did? And if the reasonably foreseeable consequences of the thing that I did are death, then that's reckless, To the point where I can get hit with murder. The felony murder rule's entire purpose is to shortcut. It's to short circuit. It's to say I don't have to go down the causal chain and you instead are simply basically strictly liable for all the outcomes, the consequences of whatever bad act you took. So you could take all the precautions you want. It's like. When you have a, a, a dog on your property at home, if you take all the precautions you should, and you have a big fence and you have, you know, a collar with that shocks him if he goes too close to the edge or whatever, you take all the precautions. The dog gets out and bites somebody. You can go to court and say, judge, Please understand. Look at all the precautions I took. I was reasonably careful. And the judge will say, you're right. You were reasonably careful. You're not strictly liable. Even if the dog turns out to be a super mutant and burrows his way out or, or the fence is defective because of the manufacturer or whatever, you took every reasonable precaution. The difference is in strict liability uh, systems. Say you keep a tiger. You do all the right things. You have a guard tower with a guy with a sniper rifle. They take the tiger out if he ever gets too close to the fence. But the guard falls asleep and the lightning strikes and the the tiger gets out and he mauls somebody and you go to court and you go, I was very safe. They're going to go. You have strict liability for tigers. Literally like exotic animals have strict liability. Strict liability for tigers. You kept a tiger and mauled somebody. That's on you. And you short circuit that whole system. So we have to have a reason to short circuit these systems that we, in theory at least, have a, have a way of managing how criminalized we how are as a society. How harsh well, we punish I agree with people. I, I think people.
0: we obviously have to have good statistics, a good analysis in terms of uh, what yeah. level the punishment should be. But I, I have confidence in the intelligence of criminals. And I, I think, oh, that's I, I, yeah, I do. I think think they know yeah. that there are some circumstances where they are going to go away an extra five or ten or fifteen years if they ever sure. got, and so they choose not to do it. So maybe, maybe the felony rule discourages some getaway drivers. Who Maybe, knows? hopefully. So, final question is Butsy, the comeback kid. So yeah. Dunesbury's character is Butsy. I think he was the, on li- he uh, was on life support because cigarette sales in the U.S. He's an animated cigarette, right? Exactly. Okay. He's an anim- animatronic cigarette. <laughs> So uh, for for decades uh, there's been a decline in U.S. cigarette sales, but unfortunately the pandemic halted that last year as people in
1: lockdown lit up more frequently. Does and that include vaping? I mean, vaping has been so big yeah, in the funny, last funny two you years.
0: should mention that, that there are such health concerns around e-cigarettes that uh, vaping was pretty big for a few years and it caused people to drop cigarettes, which most folks think is a really good thing because mm, there may be some yeah. problems with vaping, but it, They're bound to be less serious than than, uh, having the flame in your mouth. Uh, The difficulty is there have been such serious questions about vaping, like, you know, the electronic versions are going to blow up and blow your jaw off. uh, Or just
1: if it's so much easier, you might do it five times as much.
0: Possibly, a Marijuana vaping products have ended up killing people. So the vaping has really been getting uh, bad press. And as a result of vaping not being so powerful and people having a little more opportunity, folks working at home can smoke all day. Plus they have more money for cigarettes because they aren't spending money on gasoline and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, U.S. cigarette sales were down for many, many years,
1: but that has leveled off now. Uh, and uh, it was a very interesting statistic that I saw a a while back about the impact of, like, rising and falling smoking rates um, on, you know, generally compared to the, the rising and falling smoking rates among the wealthiest and then the middle class and then the least wealthy. And the numbers show that as times are tough and circumstances are bad, like COVID, The smoking rates and and you and we at the same time, you learn more about the bad health effects of cigarettes and society sort of slowly tries to, you know, with public health campaigns and everything else, get people, citizens to stop smoking, that the wealthy and the upper middle class and then the middle class in a sliding scale of people will stop more and more quickly compared to the people who are the poorest, the the, the least wealthy, uh, especially when the economy is bad. And the explanations for that are that smoking is a form of a luxury good. It's in in the same category as, say, taking a vacation or having a hobby, It's a thing that- A seven-minute vacation. Yeah. it's It's a thing that people do to have fun, to release stress, to feel better about their lives. And when you have fewer opportunities to do those things and you have less overall money, even if you make cigarettes more expensive- Wealthy people will drop them when the price goes up because they have other alternatives of things to spend their money on that don't cost, you know, a twenty-dollar pack of cigarettes or whatever. Instead, they could say, "Well, if the, the, the cigarettes go from twenty to twenty-five dollars, that's too high. I will flex my ability to choose another thing, and I will buy this." uh, you know, or $200, uh, luxury good instead. Whereas a person who's a lot less wealthy looks at the price of cigarettes that goes from 20 to 25 and goes, well, what am I going to do that makes me happy in this world? Uh, I don't know. Is it, uh, Cigarettes versus a bunch of stuff I can't afford.
0: Well, let's take the opinion of Mr. Uh, Bisher Bisher Kuhnbargi. He's a software developer in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. He's 28 years old, and he's made the choice between um, vaping and cigarettes. He says, trust the devil you know. I keep smoking. It's going to give me cancer. But vaping, it's much more uncharted territory. Mysterious. Uh, he says I can take that ten breaks a day. Too. I can take ten
1: breaks a day at the office. He says, but at home I can have a cigarette whenever I want. The the, the fact that cigarettes that smoking generally is on the rise in the same. Well, it's been going down, down, down for decades. But right. during COVID, it's kind of flattened out. Right. So, in effect, it's a rise. But uh, the fact that this is happening at the same time that there's a global. Lung-based pandemic is horrible. Little irony there, huh? Yeah, it's tragic. I mean, it's reality that you have, you know, the boredom of being stuck in your home uh, and the economic crunch and everything else. Yeah, but given Mister Kunbargi's
0: age of twenty-eight, Connor, that just means that if he gets COVID, his chances of recovery are going to be ninety-nine point three percent. That might be uh, true, as opposed to ninety-nine point seven percent if he didn't smoke. One hopes. One hopes. We'll wish him good luck. Uh, We wish uh, all the Super Bowl guys good luck this afternoon. Except Tom Brady. We'll wish uh, Jordan Spieth good luck, who's not doing so great in the waste management. James James Hahn's doing wonderfully. Crushing it today. Yeah, so uh, we'll know the winners and losers soon, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers. Have a good one.